What is up, everybody? Welcome to Hang Out in the Holy Land, Land Grant's flagship podcast. I'm your host, Josh Dooley, and with me riding shotgun, as always, is Chuck Holmes. It is great to be back for another week. We are recording this episode well in advance of when it will be released or goes live Sunday evening, in fact, because, frankly, Ohio State-related news has been relatively slow, and we also did not need a ton of relevant subject matter for this episode. What I mean by that is we are just going to sort of, Chuck and I are just going to sort of riff on Land Grant Holy Land's theme for the week. So as you may or may not know, although shame on you if you don't, Land Grant is doing a theme each and every week from now until August to just sort of, you know, get us through the malaise of summer and some of the downtime and whatnot. So While we are not always going to use said theme for content or as a jumping off point for the pod, Chuck and I did feel pretty passionately about this one, which is if I was in charge. So you are going to see a ton of if I was in charge related pods, articles and whatnot uh, for the site this week. But before we dig in and share our pitches or demands or whatever, Chuck, time to bring you in. How we feeling? Uh, I know you had a nice week gambling on the NBA playoffs because you certainly rubbed it in. But other than that, what else is going on, man? Well, I mean, baseball's next, right? I think that's the next frontier for me to conquer and rub mm. in your face. So I'm looking forward to a good week of that this week. Yeah, so <clears throat> opposite ends of the spectrum, Chuck and me, Chuck and I tried to go pretty heavy. Um on the NBA playoffs and the betting. And I was seemingly like a leg away from a parlay every single time. And Chuck had a really good week. So he definitely let that be known. And maybe one of these weeks we'll jump into some NBA stuff. Although, well, you know, D'Lo is a former Buckeye. We could center a pod around that if you like. I think I'm actually thinking about writing about him this week. But that's neither here nor there. Future episode potentially. Before we get into if I was in charge, Chuck, I did want to bring up one other thing. So uh, an Ohio State football player got some very good news this week, but it actually had nothing to do with the sport he plays. So offensive lineman Avery Henry, who was previously diagnosed with bone cancer, announced on Twitter that his cancer is in remission after five months of treatment at the James on on OSU's campus. So Henry, you might remember, was... Uh, a massive, massive, I think three-star lineman from St. Clairsville, tiny little town. Um, I want to say he was upwards like 360, 370, 380 pounds, something like that. Got himself in really good shape. Um, You know, dropped a bunch of ton of weight before his senior year, got much better shape, sort of built himself into a power five recruit, signed as part of the 2022 class, but redshirted and then was diagnosed with this cancer so not a ton of information for me or i don't think chuck on this one no idea if or when henry returns to the field but this guy has sort of won in life so congrats to him and a big thank you to you know all the doctors in the james and doctors in general whole nine yards there but uh yeah good story positive vibes around the ohio state football program and definitely around avery henry so um yeah chuck you you want to you want to chip in on that or you want to just rip and roar and get into this if i was in charge you know as as somebody that has two kids it is uh and i'm sure his parents feel this way it is an unfathomable area to be in to have to deal with that with a young man at at his age so uh i'm very happy for everybody involved that that hopefully this is a a remission that sticks and he can go on and live a meaningful life. Yeah. I mean, in this look, we're not going to make the pot about this, but it hits everyone different ages, different times. It affects a ton of different families. And, you know, for Avery in particular to sort of be in remission five months later is, I don't know, damn near a miracle. So um, just good on him. Good on his family. Good news for all. So, other than that, though, Chuck, we're, we're going to be short on announcements and intros and stuff like that this week. I, I think it's go time. I thought what we could do here with our if I was in charges is, 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 
is we could just sort of alternate, right? Let's take turns sharing an improvement or change that we would make if we were in charge of something or anything related to the Ohio State University. Let's keep it OSU-centric because, frankly, I, I don't know that I could go along with your plan to end world hunger by creating a global skyline chili supply chain. So what do you say we narrow <laughs> we narrow our focus a bit? Is that fair? I'm in. I'm in. Love it. Okay, so I feel like I've been leading off quite often um, with our topics or whatever we're going over in the podcast any given week, Chuck. So I'm going to flip the script a little bit. I'm going to let you go first and reveal your first if I was in charge isism or whatever we're going to call it. Go ahead. You're a gentleman and a scholar, and this one is I, it's low-hanging fruit. But it is a very divisive subject, and uh, but I, if I was in charge, Brian Hartline would be calling plays for the 2023 Buckeyes regular season, and the reason being is twofold. One, if Ryan Day truly wants to be the head coach at Ohio State for the next 20 years, this has got to be something that that eventually happens. And if it's going to happen for anybody, isn't it heartline that it should happen for, right? He's the former yeah. Buck guy. He's the NFL guy. He's got the pedigree. He's got the recruiting chops. So anybody that we're going to do this with, this has got to be the guy. And what better time now than to do it now? Because honestly, if they don't make this kind of shift on as well – they're going to lose him and he's going to go call play somewhere or he's going to go be a head coach somewhere. He's looking at this as a springboard to a major job. And if he can't use this as a springboard to a major job, he's just going to go find another job that will be that springboard. So that's my first, uh, Brian Hartline should be calling plays the entire 2023 season. Oh man, this one is loaded. While I do not disagree, I agree Actually, I don't disagree with any of your like reasons or um, especially the latter half of your statement, right? If we, if Ohio State did not promote Brian Hartline or give him some sort of big bump, you're right. I think that, you know, obviously Cincinnati was potentially interested in, in him as their head coach. I think that there would have been NFL opportunities, maybe uh, other head coaching opportunities at the very least an offensive coordinator position with another power five school. So I agree with all of that. And I do think the timing is right. And I think that he is the guy for the job. If not him, maybe Justin Fry, but the decision's been made. The only sort of like hesitation or concern I have is that he hasn't done it. And this is not, Miami of Ohio, right? Like typically when you do something for the first time, it is at like a lower level with some training wheels on. You're not the guy and calling plays does not make Brian Hartline the guy as far as Ohio state coaches go, football coaches go. But this is a big leap in my opinion, because just like I said, this is the big leagues. This is, getting called up from, I don't know, triple A first base coach to, you know, coaching the Cincinnati Reds or something like that. Like this is sort of a big jump in my opinion. So that's the only concern or hesitation I have, but everything else that you hit on, I agree with. So I I'm nitpicking, but it's sort of a big nitpick, but ultimately it's like, do you try it now and see how it goes? Or do you lose him? And that's the last thing that I would want Ohio State to do. So I never like allowing something to happen or giving somebody some sort of responsibility because you feel like you're you're forced to. It, it should be that they're the best person for the job. But okay, I, I am with you. I get it. Makes all the sense in the world. But I will be honest, it's going to be scary for me. I'm going to have some concerns first half of the season for sure. 
No doubt. And and you're you're absolutely correct in that with him not having this experience, it is a risk. I think the big thing for me is he's also getting trained by a world-class play caller. And, you know, Ryan Day doesn't have to worry as much in the summer about that CEO role of what he's doing during the week. You know, that's more during the season when he's got to oversee an entire team. This summer, they can spend a lot of time and he can get a lot. And and don't get me wrong. Uh, there's no such thing as a game rep. But he can learn from someone who we argue is one of the best play callers in college football. So that part of it is a little less concerning for me uh, because he's still going to be calling Ryan Day's offense and he's still going to Ryan Day's really going to be involved in the game plan. Right. Even though he he would step back to a quote unquote CEO role, he's still going to be involved in the game plan. He just he he will be. So that part's less concerning for me. The other part of it that I think is almost like a no-brainer is like right now they cannot afford to lose him as a recruiter. Like we can, and to, this is not uh, today's podcast is not let's have an indictment on the staff about how they're recruiting, but the fact of the matter is is Brian Hartline's the best recruiter in the country, and they cannot afford to lose that. And there is going to be a team that is willing to take a chance here very soon. There's going to be a school that's willing to take a chance on him just based on his recruiting chops and his ability to what they believe to make a staff play calling or not. So if they don't give him this, he's going to leave. And if that closer's not there, what the hell's going to happen to Ohio State recruiting? Yeah. <clears throat> Very valid point. I know we've had conversations or disagreements before. My boy Keenan Bailey could probably just step up. He's familiar with those oh wide receivers. <laughs> no, but very, very good point. And going back to what you first or you sort of rebuttaled with is, yeah, Ryan Day probably has some veto power. So if it gets hairy, if he, you know, Brian Hartline is, you know, out there without a paddle, I think that. Ryan Day will jump in to, you know, kind of save him or right the ship or what have you. So, yeah, really good points. And and to to add to that, think about how Urban did it, right? Urban didn't yeah. call plays. But you know what? On third and one, they ran the damn quarterback lead because yeah. Urban demanded that the quarterback lead was ran. So Ryan Day may order whatever play call it is in a certain scenario because he can, and it can be the same thing. It just won't be a lead anymore. <laughs> God, please. <help> <laughs> All right. So I think we're in agreement there. And that was a good way to kick us off. I'll just jump in here with my first, if I was in charge, Chuck, if I was in charge, Travion Henderson would be the Buckeyes third down back and option B as it pertains to ball carries out of the backfield. So uh, we know how explosive he can be as a Whoa, runner. I didn't, know, I didn't know we were hot taking these. Woo. No, it's, like, it, it's going to come across as more of a hot take, but the way I look at it, we know explosive how we know how explosive he can be as a runner. And I'm not necessarily saying that I would reduce his role to that of a pass catching specialist, but I would intentionally lighten his load a bit because I think that he can thrive as a less is more kind of guy. Plus, he has shown the ability to fill this sort of role as far as a pass catching goes. He was an accomplished pass catcher in high school, 300 plus yards receiving as a true freshman in Columbus. And so I think this is how you maximize Travion Henderson. I know that there are probably a lot of like NFL comps for this. And I wish I had written them down. Maybe while I'm sort of fumbling with my words long enough, you'll come up with one Chuck. But I think that Mayan Williams has established himself as the guy who can run between the tackles, protect the ball, bounce it outside a little more often or aggressively than you think he might. Uh, he's got more speed than he <laughs> sort of looks like. I get, I don't know how to make that, um, you know, not insulting towards Mayan Williams, but I think he needs to be the lead back. But B 
because of how good Travion Henderson has been in the past. I mean, we're talking 1,500 yards, 15 touchdowns, 16 touchdowns to the true freshman. Like, he can hit plenty of home runs, but I think it needs to be like a 60-40 split or something like that. So, I don't know. What do you think, Chuck? What do you think of Travion Henderson taking a backseat to Mayan Williams? I've got the best comp that you could possibly ever have, and it's actually college football related. What if they were Reggie Bush and Lendale White? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that really... Gosh, I wish I remembered like some of the splits, but you're making me think about it a little bit. I think that is a, a very good comp. Yeah, the first two years, Lendale actually led him in rushing. Now, uh, Reggie's junior year, he went crazy, and he ended up becoming the lead back, and Lendale was like eight, 900 yards. But the previous two years, Reggie was kind of that home run hitter, pass catcher, and Lendale White was the 12, 1,300-yard guy. So maybe it works. Yeah, that's a really good comp. Um, I, I was trying to think NFL, and I kind of ignored some of the college impl- implications because I don't think you see this as often, but I think you should see it more for like some of the reasons I covered and because of what you've brought up. Like It's been very successful before, but Trayvon Henderson has not shown the ability to remain healthy or stay healthy, and Mayan Williams has you know, to a a greater extent, not, not, not by a ton. Right. But I just, when you think if you're going to have a timeshare in the backfield, you think of the bigger bruising guy as your first and second down back. And so that was just sort of my natural inclination to think of that, but I think they could be wildly successful. And maybe that means throwing the ball less, but given the losses, you know, of, CJ Stroud, some of the guys on the offensive line. Like, I wouldn't mind if Ohio State ran the rock a ton more, honestly, than they did last year, provided guys are healthy. So I'm just going to stick with that. I think Trayvon Henderson could thrive in a lesser role. And so if I was in charge, I would make him like that third down or that 1B option. Yeah. And the other part of that, right? We really want to see those guys playing in a college football playoff, hopefully, right? And we didn't get to see much of Mayan, and we did not see Travion. I mean, he had already had surgery. So let's see if maybe a few less miles during the regular season also can help keep him healthy and be 100% rolling through a college football playoff, what hopefully ends in a national championship. So I'm with you, man. I I think that's uh, a sign me up. Sign me up. Let's sign Brian Hartline up for calling all those plays while we're at it. I know, right? We've got a former wide receiver trying, and we want him to have this running back or this heavy run duty mentality. But honestly, like they have so many talented guys back there. And I know they have so many talented wide receivers as well. But the thing with wide receivers is you can get three or four on the field at one given time. You can't do that with running back. So if they had options 1B, you know, 1A, 1B, 1C, 1D, I'd be okay with that too. Chip Trianum. Dallin Hayden, like these guys have proven to be capable. And if they can just run the ball a ton, I'd be all right with that. So that was my first. If I was in charge, Chuck, we'll flip it back to you for your second one. What do you got, man? So on the defense this year, I want to see, and it's new guys slash young guys play. I want to see CJ Hicks. I want to see Sonny Styles. I want to see Jihad Carter and I want to see Davis and Igmanosin play and start. CJ Hicks is the one that might be a little hairy to get a starting role, but I want all of them to see substantial time over guys that have been in the program three, four, five, <clears throat> six years that <laughs> have not produced at this point. Let's see the young guys play. Let's see what they can do. We've seen some of these other guys that have not produced. And at this point, let's get the athletes that haven't been here. And we brought in specifically four reasons and see what they can do in this Jim Knowles defense. So what I'll say in response to that is, you know, Chuck, I love you. Um, I respect a lot of your takes. And You're a this... liar. No, no, no. <laughs> You're a liar. <clears throat> this, is, uh, this is all about mutual admiration here, but I'm going to tell you something about your, if I was in charge, that is the coldest 
most uh, flavorless oatmeal take of all time. Because here's the thing, because I think a lot of people agree with you. And I'm so I'm like the coaching staff. I would like the coaching staff to agree. Yes. So if you were in charge, you would coach some of the defense. And that makes a ton of sense because you're right. Like, I think people were on board with this last year. And maybe even the year before that, you know, I'd have to really go back and look at the depth charts, but I couldn't be more on board with this. If you were in charge and this was your decision, I would want you to stay in charge Um, because you're right. I want to see those new guys out there. I want to see the young guys out there. I'm still on the fence about Josh Proctor, but to your point, it's been nearly a decade. He's just never really been healthy. And then last year, you know, he came back, got seemingly like one opportunity and then got benched. I'm not willing to say, let's throw him on the sideline yet. But, you know, unfortunately I look at a guy like Cam Martinez. I'm good. Like I've been there. I'm fine. I think Jihad Carter's an upgrade because we've actually seen him play and do things consistently at cornerback. I had all the optimism in the world for Jordan Hancock. I, I sort of still do, but Davis Enigmanosin is a bigger, more physical, more experienced corner, even though Jordan Hancock has been in college longer, right? This will be Hancock's third year. Davis Enigmanosin was a freshman All-American, but he just sort of played all year and played a bunch of reps and played a bunch of snaps. So he is the more experienced guy. I I would be fully on board with this. You want depth, and I think Ohio State has good depth, but I, I would maybe like to see that depth chart flip a little bit, and let's see some guys get new opportunities. So I'm with you on this one. And And here's the thing. Like, we're not – like I'm not asking for the random two-star guy that we just filled in at the bottom of a class because they didn't have enough enrollees for the year. Like every one of these guys is either a high-level recruit or has played high-level ball in the ACC or SEC. Like these guys have proven themselves and I get it. They haven't quote unquote proven themselves at Ohio state, but neither has anyone else. Like, (laughs) right like okay so you don't you haven't maybe you haven't seen it in practice from jihad carter yet okay just turn on his tape last year when he was facing the sec like come on acc acc for carter acc sorry yeah yeah my apologies but that my first mistake six podcasts first mistake it happens one out of every six podcasts i i'll make one that's it guys but like, what what are we doing here? Like, let let's get the guys that have tape of playing big time college football and actually put them on the field and just let just just shut up and let them play. And the thing is, too, with some of the transfers that they've brought in, they've got they've actually they actually have depth, right? Last year, I think that they were very limited. And so the coaches were not able to maybe mix and match or experiment. And it was a big concern going into the offseason. Then they added Carter and Igbenosin, and I doubt, well, who knows um, about Lorenzo Styles, but Lorenzo Styles Jr., I'm sorry. But they have real depth in that backfield. So I think that they can allow the best guy to win the job, best guy to go out there and play, but also probably rotate some players, which they were, again, hesitant to do last year. So. I, th- I think that's a, a good one. Do you have anything else to add on that? No, just that it's going to be better than your second one. <laughs> All right. So with my second, if I was in charge, and we're not going one through five, we're going to go till we think that you guys have had enough of hearing us talk. But my second one, I stuck with the backfield here. So if I was in charge, I would design more QB run or QB option plays for Ohio State's quarterbacks. This is like a scenario in which Ryan Day and myself are co-head coaches or something because he's the passing game guru and a quarterback whisperer and I wouldn't I would not want to completely go away from Ryan Day's offense. But I think having a Justin Fields type or at least a running threat as a signal caller 
look, when Justin Fields was playing in the Ohio State offense, that was like having all of the infinity stones, right? Like he could do everything. He was an incredible athlete, could have a 100-yard rushing game, a 400-yard passing game. He could probably alternate if he was asked to do so between those types of games. He was the perfect modern quarterback at Ohio State. And so, you know, again, accurate, prolific passer, but one who could run. The Buckeyes were, in my opinion, too predictable at times with C.J. Stroud at quarterback the last two years. That's You will not change my mind. I think that they were too predictable when they needed to not be, when they needed to have some variety. So I think that Kyle McCord, Devin Brown, Lincoln Kineholds, all of those guys have some mobility. And if we were to let them loose and turn them into semi-dual threats, then I think it could open up the offense even more. So whether it's McCord, Brown, or Kineholds, if I were in charge or if I was in charge, I would design a lot more QB run variety somewhere in the game plan. I just got to say, I am honored to have a new co-host, everyone. Mr. Urban Meyer, coach, it's, just, <laughs> it's, it's great to have you on, on, this, on the pod. I cannot wait to- uh, Been a while, been a while. Yeah, holy smokes. Uh, I I don't disagree with the concept because I think a lot of really dynamic college offenses have that in it. And I know we've heard Kyle McCord is a great athlete. And I know we've heard Devin Brown is a great athlete. I, I don't I don't know that they're going to have a firm enough grasp on it to be able to mix and match. I think you're going to be a one or the other. They're not going to be Justin Fields where he could literally read the defense and then make the play. These guys are probably going to be one read and go, which in college could still work, right? It can work against the Big Ten, most of these teams. I don't know that it's going to work against Georgia. I don't know that it'll work against Alabama. But up until then, it could be really successful. And hopefully they're the athletes that we think they are. Yeah, and the coaches are going to have a better idea. Like, I wonder if some of these guys have already proven their ability as runners. Um, And if they have, I would also ask why they've never sort of been in the game, I guess. But... Like, I don't need them to be Justin Fields. Um, I wish there were a better Ohio State comp. But to your point, like, you've got Braxton Miller, JT Barrett all the way on the other end of the spectrum. And then on this end, you've got a CJ Stroud. You've got, you know, rest his soul. Dwayne Haskins was not much of a runner. Um, even Cardale was sort of, he was able to run a little bit better than those latter two guys, in my opinion, but again, you know, just not enough of a sample size. So yeah, like I, it's a fair point that you bring up, but I just, I think they have to have some more variety. I mean, especially if the Ohio state run game struggles and this is another reason that I brought this up and I would try if I was in charge because we saw some of the struggles in the running game last year right against teams that Ohio State should have been able to run on they didn't and I think that's because they lacked variety I just think the quarterback keeping it in his hands in some way adds another layer and it's a it's something else for opposing defenses to prepare for that they really haven't seen from a Ryan Day coached Ohio State um, offense outside of the Fields years or Fields times, I guess. Yeah, I I think that's really fair. So what you want is like a a Craig Krenzel type guy. I mean, he wasn't a bad runner. Yeah, I mean, that's right. And, and, And it was a mixture, right? Like they'd ran some design stuff for him, but he also knew exactly when to take off which is a, a skill, right? Like CJ Stroud did not have that skill or didn't want to have that skill, whatever it is. It's, it's irrelevant now. Like here's, 
I'm, I'm trying to think. It, sorry, but you brought up like an Ohio State guy, and it took me a second. I think of some NFL quarterbacks. Like, I, I know that Ohio State's not going to have a passer like this, but like Pat Mahomes, when he needs to, can run and get a first down. Um, a guy like that, or yeah, even a Craig Krenzel, it's something. If you have 250 yards rushing in a season, that's going to completely flip the script, I think, for Ohio State opponents. Because C.J. Stroud, maybe he accumulated 250 by the end of the Georgia. Well, he had the Northwestern game too, right? Which I think we sort of throw that out as far as sample size goes. But yeah, to your point, a willing runner who once in a blue moon, they'll design something for and he can be profitable. I, I think that's fair. I think it's a, especially in college when with the limited time that coaches have with players, if you can make a defense have to think about another layer of your offense, whether it's explosive or not, but if it's just another layer, that's absolutely a great thing to have. And it just cuts down on what they could study elsewhere. And that's all I'm asking for. Just ask a layer or add a layer. So if I was in charge, we would go ahead and do that. But Chuck, I believe that you're up with your third one. You had mentioned one pre-pod that you were pretty excited about. I think this is this is the time in the pod to do it, but I, I need to mentally prep. I need to prepare. So what do you say we take a quick little break? Let's do it. I, You guys are going to be mind blown. Let's do it. All right. We'll be back right after this. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, we are back, everybody, once again on Hangout in the Holy Land, Land Grant's flagship podcast. Josh Dooley here with Chuck Holmes talking about if we were in charge, doing a little bit of back and forth here, each each host sharing that one change or process or something that they would do if they were in charge at Ohio State, football, basketball, or otherwise related so that being said chuck you were up next before the break hit me with your third if i was in charge if i was the athletic director at ohio state i would spend whatever it took to make the ohio state baseball program equal to these sec programs that we see out there and it's possible because and here's here's why Vanderbilt University is one of the top five programs in the country. That's not that's not disputable. Uh, I understand this year it is um, another year like that. I know last year wasn't as great, but this is this is an indisputable fact. They were in the championship game three years ago or three seasons ago, and they're in it every year. Now, a couple reasons for that. One, Tim Corbin is one of the best college baseball coaches that's ever lived. That's indisputable. Ohio State doesn't have that. Now, Bill Moziello is in his first year, and I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt that he's in his first year. But if you look at his history as a coach, he was at TCU before he came to Ohio State. He was the associate head coach. Two years ago or three years ago, the head coach left TCU, Jim Slosnagel, went to a and They didn't promote Bill Moziello. They promoted the pitching coach, Kurt Sarloos, so he couldn't even become the head coach there. He's been a head coach, or he's been an assistant coach in college for three decades, and this is the first job he got. This is the guy that Ohio State, and I'll say it, settled on. He That, that was a settling. This is too big of an athletic department to settle on a baseball coach. My suggestion to him, and I know that this is a lot of money, and I know that the NIL world, it's possible. 
So the way Vanderbilt quote unquote cheats, and you'll hear any base college baseball guy go, if you ask them, how does Vanderbilt do this? And they'll say they're legally cheating. They have a program at the school. And I know this is a different thought process because they're a private university. Everybody that goes to Vanderbilt has the opportunity to, every, I'm sorry, everybody that gets accepted to Vanderbilt has the opportunity to go and they have the understanding that money will not be the reason that they don't go to Vanderbilt. They have a program that allows them to financially provide for these kids. The baseball program is the same way. So even though you only get 11.7 scholarships, they really provide scholarships for all these kids that are on this team. So if a kid gets a 0.25 baseball scholarship, but comes from a low-income family, Vanderbilt's going to pay that other 0.75, and he's essentially on a full ride. Well, guess what? Uh, the, the top prospects in the country are going to go there, right? It's, it's a no-brainer. So you can't tell me Ohio huh. State can't come up with the same concept program. I know they're a state school. I know there's laws you got to figure out. But th there's, there's ways to figure it out. There's no way they don't have a legal team that can figure out how to make this program. There's no way they don't have the donors. I, I'm sorry. I just don't buy it. They just don't want it. Yeah. Make Ohio State baseball relevant. Like, it, it's crazy. Like, and, and I love Nick Swisher, and I loved watching him play at Ohio State, and I love watching him in the bigs. He got the damn field named after him for a $500,000 donation. Like, <laughs> the football team wipes their ass with $500,000. And that got the field named after him. Are, are we serious? Like, that that's all it takes? I, I'm going to get a dugout named after me here in three or four weeks. Like, holy smokes, <laughs> I got $2,500. Can, like, can I get the backstop? My name on the backstop. I'm going to – I got two boys, five grand. One dugout's going to be Christian. One dugout's going to be Camden. Like, we're just going to name and I'm, We're going to put their faces on it. And every <laughs> year as they grow, we're going to put their new school picture on it because apparently that's all it takes. Like, this, this is – it's crazy that Maryland and Michigan and Indiana are good at baseball and Ohio State isn't. It's, it's just mind-blowing. There's, there's no reason for that. I, so it's, There's just none. I, I, sign me. Let's go. You're passionate about this one, and that's, you know, I had not heard that about Vanderbilt. That's very interesting, but what's funny is I'm not nearly as into baseball as you are. I'm on the peripheral, right? I, I know enough about enough, but even I know that it's it's Vanderbilt, it's LSU, it's been the Texas schools in the past, and it's like, maybe not Vanderbilt, but you look at some of the schools like, Texas can be wildly successful when it comes to football, baseball, and basketball. Now, I don't know how their like their women's basket how good their women's basketball team is, but I know for a while their softball team was. So now you're looking at four major sports and it's like you're right, like Ohio State is very 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 football centric and then you've got both basketball teams and then there's this, there's that. But what's funny is like <clears throat> Ohio State can be successful across a lot of those. Like they've won a billion synchronized swimming national titles, right? The wrestling team is arguably top five in the country. Um, I, I think men's tennis or men's volleyball is doing very well. So it's like the success can be there in a lot of different sports, but it seemingly hasn't happened with baseball, and I think it probably does come down to spend. I don't know enough about the coaching because, you know, the only name I know or remember is Bob Todd, and I know he's there for a really long time. I don't know how long he's been gone, but yeah, it's funny that Ohio State baseball is not relevant because we're talking about Ohio State, and they have all of these programs that are successful despite being held or a part of a football school, you know, air quotes on that. So I love your idea. I'm on board. Uh, like I know that every year I'll watch a lot of the college baseball world series. It's super duper exciting. And I'm like, Oh, Ohio state's never ever been here that I can remember. And so it, it would be very cool if they could participate in that, get some recognition. So whatever you need to do, 
I'm on board with once you're once you are in charge and I will I want my face on probably the outfield wall so get back to me with a quote you don't have to have it right now but I will chip in something to help make this happen you just know if I if I'm in charge the prices are going up <laughs> to quote- you're gonna have it looking like um the spring training wall in major league where like every square yeah. foot is another ad because they're broke and they're trying to give everyone advertising space. To quote a great scholar, Marlowe, cost of the bricks going up. <laughs> well, that's a good one. That was definitely a wild card from you, Chuck, but it was a an interesting one. So if I'm up, I'm going to pivot a little bit. I, I just wrote one little line about this. I didn't know how much we would expand, how much time we would have. My next, if I was in charge, is an absolute wild card, and it's not football related, which I had stuck with. If I was in charge, I would find the old proprietors of Catfish Biffs, all right? A pizza joint that once existed on Ohio State's campus. And I would do whatever it takes to bring that shit back. You can have your hound dogs or your Adriaticos, but Catfish Biff's was the greatest pizza ever served on campus. And I will essentially fist fight anybody who says otherwise. And related to that, before you jump in, Chuck, I would also demolish the retail and residential trash on high street and bring back the actual campus vibe that once existed for Ohio state students. So there really was nothing quite like getting a catfish piss catfish biffs pizza and the grease already being soaked through the bottom of the box before you even got home. Like, I don't know how they did it. Frankly, I don't know how we're still alive having ate it, but (laughs) I, I I mean my God I I would I would punch you in the face right now to eat one. Um, it I, I it, think it really hit at about two forty five three o'clock in the morning. I know you remember some of those nights, but uh, yeah, I mean there was nothing like it. I I lived on South Campus and we only would go like that's all my Buck ID worked for. I, I swear, <laughs> Catfish Biss was the only place that ever got swiped. Like, I, I would go, we would get a slice or two, three, four nights a week. It was it was insanity. I can't, the, the it, it's a travesty. And where did people uh, play basketball? What was that right by, by it? Like the Jesse barn Rollins. or? Yeah, no, no, no. South. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, J.O. Yeah. South. That's what it was. All right. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I got into a couple fights there, too. <laughs> well, what do you think about the retail piece of that? I mean, I... I know that I have been on campus semi recently. I don't know if you have, but if you have, man, like, or if you haven't, I'll just describe it. It is incredibly sad. And I don't think that this is even old guy yelling at clouds because I think most of the students there probably agree with me. It's campus partners as far as the eye can see. It's CVS and Target and Panera, but, you know, no, no more dingy bars no more catfish biffs. Um, you know, Buckeye Donuts is still there. Outer Inn, I believe, is still there. But it's just super cheesy and cornball now and really a sad state of affairs there on the Ohio State campus, especially high or at least high street. Yeah, I can see like part of me agrees with you and, and my life. I'm glad I experienced the way that I did. But I can see where current students would enjoy like air conditioning and like state of the art amenities and stuff like that. That's like that's that's fun stuff. Now, me personally, I and I'm a couple years older than you, like my my favoriteest memories of campus were at the spot bar on South Campus. Like it it was the darkest, dankest, dirtiest, (laughs) nastiest place that I've ever stepped foot in my life. And some of the greatest memories that I had of college were there. So it's a uh, it's it's a fine line to dance. I personally would am glad I experienced what I did, but I do understand why the the kids these days enjoy cushy amenities that we did not have. BS. They don't need amenities. They need 
find local establishments to go and make poor decisions at. I don't, I don't disagree, but I tell you what, man, with that fan, the window and it's 92 degrees outside and my dorm is about 86 in park hall sweating while I slept was not worth it. And so maybe part of it, like being able to sleep in comfort would have been enjoyable a few of those nights. That's fair. You know, I was fortunate enough that I didn't live at the dorms. I basically lived at your apartment. So just a little sneak behind the curtain there. <laughs> but um, but yeah, that's just bring back some of the old school vibe, even if it's not all of it, because you're right. The campus is it looks immaculate when you drive through it, when you drive down High Street. But it doesn't look the way that it used to. And damn, I really miss the way that it you know used to look. So, um, you know. Chuck, I'll give you an opportunity here, or we can start to wrap it up. I've got a couple wild cards that we can hit on real quick. Did you have anything else that you really wanted to pound the table on as far as if you were in charge? No, I mean, I I, I want to change the entire baseball program and both sides of the ball for the football program. I think I've done enough damage for one night. All right, so I'll just hit you with a couple quick ones, and you can react to one, both, or neither. Um so if I was in charge, I wrote down that I would bring in JT Barrett and Mal- Malcolm Jenkins as position coaches or coordinators. I've written about this before on the website, actually. I just think they would make great Ohio State coaches. Obviously, JT Barrett is currently a coach with the Detroit Lions, and I just think Malcolm Jenkins seems like the next-gen Brian Hartline. Um, and I, I don't, I don't want to... That, that age is one or the other. That's not my intent. I just mean Heartline's already doing it. I think Malcolm Jenkins could jump right in and, and be a seamless fit and find success pretty quickly. The other, just quick, if I was in charge, that I wrote down, I wrote that I would prioritize the state of Ohio in basketball recruiting. I know that they have Devin Royal coming in with his next class. And I know that they hit big on Malachi Branham two seasons ago. But... You know, I think about Lucas, Havlicek, Kellogg, Herb Williams, Jay Burson, Jim Jackson, Mike Red, Sullinger. Um, a lot of the all-time great Buckeyes were homegrown. And it's not that Chris Holtman doesn't recruit the state of Ohio, but I do question whether or not it's a priority. The only Ohio-born player who played any real minutes last year was Tanner Holden. And that was, you know, he transferred in. And, and actually, Wheelersburg, I think that extent, he may have even been West Virginia. Um, but he was from Wright State. No, Wheelersburg, Ohio. God, just had to double check myself real quick. He was the only homegrown guy that played any minutes for this team last year. And you look at the top of the depth chart, it was Bryce Sensabaugh from Florida, Zed Key from New York, uh, Bruce Thornton from Georgia. So, again, you don't want to just take players to take them. You know, guys ranked two through four in the state of Ohio this year. They're going to Xavier, Indiana, and Michigan, not Ohio State. Um, Now, last year, there was barely a top 100 guy in the state of Ohio. But when they're out there, I would like to see Ohio State prioritize the Ohio players a bit more in the men's basketball program. So those were the quick ads. Chuck, anything uh, to add there? Any rebuttals or are you on board with those? No, I'd love to see him. I think I actually think though JT Barrett probably has a pretty uh, bright future in the NFL. I think that that seems like that's the path he wants to go. Generally, once you start down that path, you stay there. So I'm I'm happy that he's there. But you know, if uh, if Corey Dennis ends up getting an offensive coordinator job anywhere, he would be the first call if I were in charge uh, for the the basketball recruiting. I, I'm here for any and all recruiting that does well for Ohio state. And I do think you're onto something in that the program has lost a little bit of its identity. Uh, You could argue that is Ohio state, not recruiting Ohio players. You could argue that that is uh, bad coaching from the assistants, uh, whatever. (laughs) And that could be another (laughs) pod in the future, but I I'm all for that because I agree. There is no identity to, Ohio State and they don't um, 
if that's what got that back, I'd, I'd be all for it. Absolutely. And like you said, I know last year was a, a, a not a great year, but three out of five, four out of five years, you're going to have good recruits coming out of the state. Like this is a good state for high school basketball. You're going to have players that can play at Ohio State. And that's my point, too. It is it is a very, very good state for high school basketball. And I like what you brought up about identity because, yeah, like Malachi Branham was Mr. Basketball, right? But when he came in, it was supposed to be EJ Liddell's team. Malachi Branham was supposed to be a piece. Uh, but then he took over, became a first-round NBA draft pick. So, yeah, like I, I like that. I think back to like Mike Red. You know, he was from Columbus and – you know, he was adored. Same thing with the Solingers. Um, Jimmy Jackson was Toledo. Some of these other guys are from elsewhere in the state, but there was some sort of identity around the program, I think, in the past. And that's nothing against the players now. Like, I, I'm a stand for Roddy Gale. I love Bruce Thornton. Um, you know, Zed, Felix. I like all those guys, and they brought in some good pieces. But, and they got the one who's a transfer from Cincinnati, right? The kid from Penn State. His name's escaping right now. He's from Cincinnati, Ohio. So I like that. Evan Mahaffey. Yeah, I, I would just like to see a little bit more uh, Ohio flavor. Yeah, so that's pretty much going to do it for the pod this week. Chuck, before I close this thing out, did you have anything you wanted to add? Anything we missed on? Yeah, I got two things for you. One, we're going to start having, and we, we're, we're confirmed, we're going to have some listener questions that we're going to answer for you guys dm us one last week to dm uh you'll always be able to but we're going to have an email starting next week i'm working on getting that set up so we can have an email that we are going to uh be able to answer any listener questions that you have uh could be ohio state related it could be not ohio ohio state related we really don't care we send us a it could be the spot or miani's or four kegs related after what we covered today absolutely Uh, The other one, I have one last, uh, if I were in charge, if I were in charge of uh, the Lane Grant Podcast Network, I would declare uh, myself 6-0 in podcasts and uh, my my undefeated streak. That's all I got. All right. If I was in charge, I would try and get you to uh, give up the competition. It's a frivolous effort. Everyone knows who the alpha is here. And, but, but it doesn't have to be about that. It's not what we're about. Again, we're the brotherhood. Um, and that's going to be it for us. So until next week, I'm Josh Dooley for Chuck Holmes. Guys, like, rate, review, and subscribe to the pod, please. You can find us at Holy Land Pod on the Twitter.com. And that's going to be it for this week. And as always, go Bucks.